Hey folks, Force Captain Meff here. Very excited to share with you uh, that I am now officially a scholar. That's true. I was accepted into an audio production program that I am really, really excited to start. I'm going to be learning all sorts of stuff about audio production and mixing and mastering, editing, sound design, all sorts of wonderful stuff that I've been doing some of in the pro- in the podcast and, you know, in my own personal musical life that I'm just, just over the moon to be able to kind of hone in and really, really be a pro at. The issue here is that it's a little expensive. And by that, I mean, it costs any money whatsoever. And that's something that I just don't have. So I'm asking you for a little bit of help. I've started to go fund me to try to help put me through this program and help pay for fees and tuition and books and any of the things that come up when somebody's, you know, scholaring. It's been a while since I've been at school, so I think that's what those things, pens? I think you use pens, tracker pads. Uh, I don't think I need a tracker pad. Anyway, I've included a link to the GoFundMe in our show notes. So if you could check it out, share the link, or if you can, please donate to it. I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much and enjoy the episode. Hello, darling rebels. Princess Jenny here with a tiny correction for the episode. Um, In this episode, you will hear me talk a little bit about color theory in relation to the little glitch effect that they use to differentiate between Raz's experiences of the past and the present. Um, And I mentioned that the past is in cooler colors and the present is in warmer colors. It was pointed out to me after we recorded that I actually flipped it. It was the present that is the cooler colors and the past that is the warmer colors. I am so sorry for this very basic error. Um, In my defense, I could say perhaps that it's usually the past that is cooler colored when this effect is used to show that this is further removed from us. And also, we started in the past. So when it glitched the first time and it's like, flash, we're now in the past, but the past is the present. Like the first time it was used, it went from warmer to cooler. And that's usually a now we're in a flashback type of effect, except that we went from starting in the past to going to the present. So it was really the flip that confused me. Maybe I am experiencing chronosthesia like Raz. In any event, the effect itself stands. I just flipped, which I was saying was the past and the present. Maybe I like Raz am confused, but the basic point I was making stands. So I hope you will not be too confused by it. Okay, enjoy the episode. And welcome to Hey Adora, your queer sheer podcast. I am Force Captain Meth They Them. And I am Princess Jenny, she, her. And today we are discussing Hero. Ooh. It's a big one. Banger episode. It's going to get wicked serious, kid. It's going to get wicked serious. Banger. Banger episode. Hero is season four, episode nine. It was written by showrunner N.D. Stevenson and head writer Josie Campbell. It was storyboarded by Charlemagne Coe, Olivier Malric, and Belinda Smith, and storyboarded by Mandy Clotworthy. And it is heavy. It's heavy on the plot. 
It's heavy on the emotion. It's heavy, it's heavy on, on our souls. It's heavy on our souls. When I when I was watching it, doing the notes, I had to like give a trigger warning to my girlfriend. I was like, I just want to let you know, I have to watch Hero today. I know it's really heavy for you. Um, so yeah, if we want to figure out a way where we can do this, where we're both really fo- holding each other emotionally, you just let me know, okay? So. That was my gayest moment number one for this episode. <laughs> what you moment just number said. One. Thank Meth's you. Trigger warning for your household. Trigger warning for my house. My yes. my my uh, Shira fandom household about yes, watching that was, Hero. That was very gay and very Thank real. You. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Um, uh, Jenny, do you have any like any more like general notes before we jump right before in? Before we jump right in. Yeah, I mean, we have certainly said before that this is an all-ages show. It is not just for kids. And Mm -hmm. a lot of these deeper emotional themes of trauma and, you know, dealing with it, moving through it, recovering from it is what makes it both appeal to all ages and appeal especially to the queer community. And this is certainly an episode that speaks to that. Absolutely. Yes. Um, And there's generational trauma here too. Oh, absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It's a real, it's a real gut punch, but in a way that, you know, lets you know that there's something worth getting to. It's not just that sort of sadistic, we want to make you feel terrible because somehow that's good television kind of writing. Yes. <coughs> Joss Whedon. <coughs> Sorry, I got, uh, I got some, you know, some jo- patriarchy stuck in my throat there. I know, um, I know. But, you know. This is the kind of writing that you can have faith in, even while it's ripping out your guts, that you know that it's leading you somewhere that is worth going. Yes, you I know, agree. The, the dark night of the soul, as we have discussed before, you have yes. to move through it in order to get out and to get somewhere better. Yeah, it's been proven that we have we can have faith in it for this show. Yeah, this is a difficult part of the hero's journey. It is, it um, is. But, you know, we are on that journey. We are, and I just want to point out a little, like, trivia fact, you know, before we jump in, is Please. that this is the only episode, or I believe it's the only episode, that is credited to Andy Stevenson. This is a season that, does not have a lot of uh, exclusively oh, yeah. written by ND episodes. That's right. Um, so, yeah, there are reasons for that. Um, but yeah, yeah. So. I do have one very light fun fact coming later on. So if you're feeling very down and dismal, you can hold on to that. Oh, I love fun facts. Yes, we're gonna have some fun facts. I have some facts. I also have some, yeah, facts that are like wild and weird and are neither fun nor distressing. It's just kind of like, wow, that's crazy. I love facts. Yes. Professor Smart Brain loves facts. As you may or may not have figured out. So do you want to jump in? Do you want to go to the- Let's jump into the woods. Let's go to the woods. Let's go to Madame Rez's like miracle hut. Yeah. Her little tree house in the ground with all the roots. Um. I love that her getting ready for guests is making the house a mess because I kind of feel like that's kind of how I do things. I'm like, yeah, I mean, she's focused on making a delicious pie, so it doesn't sure. matter how messy the house is if you have a delicious pie when your guests arrive. Yeah, no, I get it. I get um, it. I are you like, a lover of pie, Meph? Like if someone offers you cake or pie, which would you choose? 
pie 100 percent. i love same. pie yeah same. i i am a i prefer pie to cake i agree when i was little i sometimes would ask my mom if i could have a birthday pie instead of a birthday cake same i always ask for a birthday pie my We're favorite so in sync I know. What's your favorite Do you have kind of a favorite kind of pie? Oh, my God. I was going to ask you the same thing. Yes, peach pie is my favorite, followed by sweet potato pie. Respectable. Thank um, you. I am not a big fan of, like, sweet potato or pumpkin pies. It's mm-hmm. more of a textural issue for me than a flavor issue. Not a custard pie person. I would be okay with custard pie, but sweet potato and pumpkin aren't quite custardy. They're, they're, they're like, their own thing. And True. then most people like them. It's so right. weird. I... I have a very wide flavor range. Like, I have a big palate. I like most foods. Sure. But the few foods I don't like are foods that most people love. So, don't hate me for not liking pumpkin or sweet potato pie. My favorite is blueberry. Um, but especially, oh, yeah. like, the wild blueberries. The little teeny tiny ones. Those are the best flavor. The teeny tiny main blueberry pies? Yes. Yeah. That you can and get if I like... can't have yeah. blueberry, um, I might go for, like, lemon meringue or lemon chess. Ooh, I love chess. Pie. Yes, I love yes. chess pie. But also, nothing wrong with an apple pie, especially if I make it, because I spice them so good. Uh, listeners, Jenny is a phenomenal, not <laughs> only cook, but baker, yes, which is I, like rare to I do have, have somebody that's both. It's true. It's true. So, one is more science and one is more I. And, and Jenny is, is, is quite good at both so i just had an apple pie baking contest at our local three county fair last weekend i did not enter because i did not have time but i did make a practice pie when i thought i was going to have time and my Mm. friends were super into it i would love one of your apple pies one day jenny sometime i'll make it for you i don't think i've had one of your pies but i don't think think that's happened we will make that happen friend we will make that happen i love a fucking pie and i want one of raz's raz raspberry the the blueberry pie yeah Ah, a raz it's really hard for me not to think about my mom's blueberry pie watching raz make blueberry pie throughout this episode well i mean it is kind of like watching an older jewish woman make a pie so i get it yeah or any old lady of of any ethnicity who is into pie like for us it's jewish because we are jews but i feel like any anyone could watch this episode and be like it's just like my grandma's pie like sure wherever you're starting from like it's equally relatable which I absolutely agree with. However, Raz is Bobby Yoda. So, yes, and she does true. have like, you know, Bobby Eastern it's European she, Jew vibes. She, she does so. have that Bobby vibe. So, oh. but we love Raz here. We like adore Raz. We do. We, we do. really do. We love we our are, crones. We are Razophiles. We are Razophiles. It's true. We, we love our crones here. So, I wonder what a raspberry pie would be like. I've never heard of or seen a raspberry pie. They probably don't cook well. I've had raspberry pies. They're great. Really? Not yeah. a tart, like an actual cooked no, like raspberry pie. pie. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, they're super good. I mean, like, yeah, they're good. All they're- right, let's put a pin in that. I feel like we should probably start talking about something other than pie. We should. Here's <laughs> Raz making a mess. Making a looking, fucking mess. Looking for something. Um, you know. One little detail, since there's a lot of little details that may or may not be important in this episode, I would just like to point out again that wherever Raz goeth, her three little moth buddies are always fluttering about her. Yep. They're like intrinsically part of her. I feel like they're her little personal electrons or her little moons or something. Oh, I love that. You know, I just feel like they are part of her. Raz moons. Yes. I really like them. I love the idea of the Raz moon. Yes, I love it. 
Um, and you know, she's she's putzing around. She's talking she's to talking her, to her broom. She's talking to her broom. Um, folks that have watched any old school Shira, including mm-hmm. once some with Jenny and I, know that broom is a sentient character uh, mm-hmm. on old school Shira. In the original, is Madame Raz's sidekick mm-hmm. and could fly, and also mm-hmm. was one of the only characters that knew the secret identity of both He Man and Shira. Because yes. remember, in the old school one, they had really poorly disguised secret identity. Secret identity, <laughs> secret plan, secret plan. <laughs> yeah. So I have to go behind this bush to turn into somebody. Anyway, yes. So as she's busily, you know, talking to herself slash talking to Broom, looking for we don't know what, her curtain opens. We don't see who it is. We just see Raz react with a smile as she turns and says, "Oh, daughter, you're just in time." But, but Jenny, Matt, it's, it's not Adora. It's not. It's Mara. It's a whole other Shira. It's a whole other ass person, which is really important. Point number one, because at first we just think uh, Raz is just like, like this old ass senile lady who thinks that Adora is Mara. But now we are like, wait a minute. She's like a wise woman who is totally unstuck in time. Yes, because this is a thousand years ago. Because this is a thousand years ago. And so now we're kind of seeing that she's like this like guardian of the Shira lineage now. Which is wild because we're yes. like, what? Like, yes. So she's calling Mara Adora, even though Adora is not going to be born for a thousand years. Right. So this is some like wild, like just a wild name drop. And now everything we yes. think we know about Raz is totally is flipped on its head. question. Everything we think we know about Mara and she yep. and Shira as a, as a mantle and the mm-hmm. Shira lineage is called into question. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I worked out a like I have a couple of like ideas here that I kind of want to drop in and then we can put a pin on and discuss. Okay. So, um so we have we hear from Mara at, in the middle of the episode that, you know, her people made the sword. Mm-hmm. She is She-Ra, right? Like, they gave her the sword to be She-Ra. And her people made the sword to control She-Ra. Mm-hmm. And then, so, I don't know. So, I don't know if Mara is the first She-Ra to use the sword. Like, we know that there are other She-Ras. Right. So, is she, she the first She-Ra to use the sword? And then Adora is the last She-Ra to use the sword, as we learn. So is she the guide of the She-Ra's that use the sword? Is she the... This is like my, my crumb of idea that I want to mm. shake out through conversation. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, yeah, this is, it's a bit early to, to get into the discussion, but why don't we just leave that there and let people think yeah. about it and we'll come back to it later. Yeah, so let's drop that in yeah, that like yeah, but yeah. we are kind of establishing that Raz is at least a guide for these two Shiras. Yes. And pres- maybe for all Shiras since And maybe we, for we can infer even though it's never been said explicitly, we can infer that Raz is immortal. Yes, we can infer that she's lived for a long ass time and she could in fact be a guide for all Shiras. Yes, so that was what I was thinking is that she yes. is you know, she's intrinsically part of the magic of Etheria. And so more we can talk a little bit more about like what is Raz's nature when we get to my little fun fact. I love this. I love um, this. But so now we can at least take in Mara, 
not as a hologram, but as like a whole ass person. A person. Mars She's a person. a person. She has dark hair that she wears in a mm-hmm. braid. Love it. Um, her skin is somewhat darker than Adora's, mm-hmm. um, but not super dark. It's unclear what her race is meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people would agree that she is not white. So the actress that plays Mara, her name is uh, Zira Fazal, and she is a Muslim American of South Asian descent. Awesome. Yeah, so m- many slash most of the characters are voiced by actors that are of the same race as the character. Although, of course, Amy Carrero is Dominican and she's playing uh, Adora, who is white. Other than that, <laughs> most of the actors are the same race as the characters that they are voicing. So we can infer based on Mara's general coloring that she is also, like her voice actress, a person of color. Yes. I believe which, this is a fair... I think this is a fair assumption. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is nice to see. Um, and she, even though Raz is constantly calling her by the wrong name, she's still happy to see Raz. Yeah, I love she that. She smiles and she, as Raz calls her Dora, uh, first we just see the bottom half of her face. That's all we see. And we see her smiling. And then Raz turns, looking unsettled as we hear Mara's voice saying, Raz, I told you before, my name isn't Adora. And then we see Raz turn and now we see Mara's whole body and face. And she know. says, it's Mara. Yay, we have actual Mara. And Mara then, boom, sighting. we go to credits having fully taken in the full human Eternian form that is Mara. Fucking banger opening. It so is. So much dropped there. Yep. So much. Holy shit. Fucking banger. Do, we know we're going to get do, a lot do. of backstory now. We're going to get so much backstory. And then we have credits you know what? I'm never going to do the credits, credits, credits. Because, you know, I don't even know if we're going to win in the end. But we well, already... right now, it's not important. Also, we already fucking won because we got to meet Mara. Yeah, it's true. So it gives a shit. It's true. It's and true. So now... Do you have any issues in your family with, like, parents or grandparents constantly calling you by the wrong name? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Gr- growing up, I totally see. did. My aunt still calls me by my mother's name once in a while. Yeah, see, here's the thing. And my mother calls me by my aunt's name. Yeah, Her sister. I... I don't have anyone in my family in my generation. I have a brother who is 19 years younger than me, and my dad still calls us by each other's names constantly. But it doesn't bother me because I know my dad knows who I am. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. I I just think it's really funny that, like, my... Like, my mother and her sister often call me by their sister's names. Not, yeah. like, all of the time, but, like, be, like... Yeah, yeah. And everyone on my mom's side of the family like, calls me by my aunt's name because she yeah. was the baby in the family up until right. I was born. Even though we're 14 years apart. Yeah. I, and it only started happening when I was an adult. And it's like, oh, because I'm an adult now. I get it. It's so weird that, like, yeah, because no, my I'm whole an adult... Life, yeah. My mom's side of the family calls me by my aunt's name. And, you know, yeah. it just... Like, I know they know who I am. It's fine. <laughs> sure, yeah. No, this is definitely a thing that happens. And it's just yes. really funny that this is also kind of the thing that, you know, we thought that this was the thing that was happening. Right. right? And it's, it's like, like, they're a thousand years apart. It's like, there's a big age gap. It's not like, I feel like it might be more contentious right. if you were closer in age. If it's like, mom, you know, do you really not know who I am? It's like, no, no, I know you know who I am. No, yeah. But no, it's not that. It's like, it's it's something 
It's something else. <laughs> it's something big else. It's yes. some magic shit. Yes. So we do our this credits. Magic and memory intertwining in some strange ways. Fucking wild shit. We do so let's our credits. Get back into Raz's hut. We go back to Raz's hut. We get we get some more we get some more Mara and yeah. this is great. And we learn Mara that- says, yes, of course she's Mara, because who yeah. else would she be? Right, duh. Who else yeah. is it gonna be? Who's Adora? Right. Um, you know, Adora has not yet been introduced to Mara's world the way that Mara has been introduced into Adora's world. So she doesn't have that same sense of like, there is this other person. Right. Right. Yet. Yet. Right. Um, Raz is not ruffled by this at all. She just hands Mara a wicker basket with a boot in it, (laughs) telling her that this is an important day and they don't have much time. And also she calls her silly. Raz most of the time maintains this light tone. Oh, you're so silly. Hold this boot. Today's an important day. Hey, I mean, to be fair, everybody has their weird rituals when they're making pie, especially pie crust. People are like, well, you have to put rocks in it like to hold it down when you bake it or like you put vodka in it and it like makes it extra fluffy. So maybe the boot has something to do. Or with you have to make crust. it in a horde helmet. Or you have to make it in a horde helmet. Also right. a thing, you know, sure. or you have to keep a can of stuff in, you know, under a plant. You know, people have sure. rituals, but sure. Raz's rituals are the most specific of all. Um, but Mara does, she takes everything in stride. She laughs. She really likes hanging out with Raz. But she does ask Raz why today is important. And Raz is momentarily stumped by this question. Right. Because, like, first of all, why is today important? Also, is today today? Right. What's with today today? What's with today today? Exactly. <laughs> What's but with then today today? Raz does remember. She she rallies in the end. Today is important because we are making pie. It's pie day. It's pie day. It's That's pie day. That's good enough reason for me. Uh, sure. Yeah. So, and, and of course, you know, she promised. Of course, it's time to make a pie. Yeah. So Mara says that sounds great, but she can't stay. Raz says, oh, nonsense. She just keeps rooting around through her giant pile of junk. Mm-hmm. And while Raz is occupied with her giant pile of junk, we have the first of many scene distortions around her. Yep. And every time this happens, the color palette in the room around her changes. Yes. Um, we go from having like a warmer color palette in the present to a cooler color palette in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, For anyone who doesn't know what I'm talking about with warm and cool colors, in color theory, um, reds and oranges and yellows are warm colors and blue, purple towards that end of the color spectrum are cooler colors. Mm -hmm. So that's that's all that means. I like that observation. I have a question for you, Jenny. Do you think that's so that I something I noticed and I was trying to figure out is that um it's for the viewer to like distinguish between what universe we're in yes and it's not the most uncommon thing like there's other movies and tv shows i have seen use that type of color palette change to distinguish when they're flashing back and forth between the present and the past sure definitely um and it's funny because usually the past is usually the cooler one which i've seen or the less saturated because there's no difference in saturation in the color here it's just the palette like it's just bluer. It's like a filter. It's like the yeah, orange it's like filter. A filter the- and it's sort of meant to show you that, like, you know, this is not as immediate. Right, right. Yeah. You know, we're looking, there's a cast on this. It seems less 
authentic, less vibrant. It's not here and now. There, the sense of there being a filter on it is something that I think that they're trying to show. Right. Is do you think? So here's my question: mm-hmm. Do you think Raz? This is Raz's POV. Like, is this Raz? I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Is this Raz existing in multiple timelines at once? Is this Raz's consciousness existing in multiple times at once? Is Raz literally jumping between timelines? Like, so I, I have a whole bullet on like what is going on with Raz and time later on. I have some stuff to answer you, but it is not yet. We have not gotten to it yet. Okay. So put a pin in that question. Okay, Jenny, I need to come back to it. Okay. So after we have the first scene distortion, yep, um, we hear Adora's voice calling frantically for Raz. Yep. And Raz looks up confused and says, Mara? Mm-hmm. But it not Mara. It not Mara. It Adora. And another, you know, purely technical thing. Now within the first two minutes, we've had Mara walk through the door and Raz calls her Adora. And then Adora walks through the door and Raz calls her Mara. That just happened both within the first two minutes. Yep. Yeah. So, so. in the words of Plumeria's most beloved himbo, dude, you're blowing my mind. There's so much mind blowing here. There's we're already establishing so. I mean, we're establishing so much, so much. Di- there's so much di- wonkiness across time. Wonkiness. There's so much dichotomy here. Oh, nice. Thank you. So Adora is wicked relieved that she has found Raz. Yeah, because man, she has been looking for her. Yes, because she told us at the end of the last episode that she is going off to find out everything she can about Mara's weapons so that she can save the day. Yeah, and redeem herself. In Glimmer's yep. eyes, basically. And, you know, as a good soldier and as, you know, as we see as a good Eternian, as a good first one, how she know how Adora knows how to solve things is by weapon. Yes. She's got to hit things with her big gay sword. Hit things with her big gay sword. Yeah. yeah. So, and Raz, you know, has many great confused looks in this episode. But, you know, Adora runs in. Raz calls her Mara. And then Raz just looks at her in confusion for a few beats. And then she's like, meh, okay, whatever. Yeah, she's like, I don't care which one it is. Right? Uh, yeah, still- whatever. Yeah, in, in the words of my aunt. So my aunt has a brother named Marty. That's my dad. Okay. A husband named Michael and a son named Marco. And so, oh my God, that's so many. often she'll just be like, Michael, Marco, Marty, whoever you are, come over here. Yep. That checks yeah. out. Yeah. So that's kind of like Raz's reaction right now. She's like, yeah, uh-huh. I, whoever you are, just come over here. Whatever she was there, we still have to make a fucking pie. Yes. Yeah. She just, re- it's it's all just about the pie. That is. It's really Raz about the pie. Raz has her eyes on the prize and the prize is pie. And the prize is pie. She just keeps piling pie supplies into Adora's hands. Yep. Until Adora mentions something very specific. Yep. She says the weapon. Mara's weapon. And then that gives Raz a moment of pause. Yes. And then Adora's like, aha, you do know some shit. Aha. Aha. Raz just whacks her on the head with the broom. Yeah. Which, like, yeah. (laughs) She's like, no, 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 no. Pie, 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 pie. But it is pie today. And we're making a clock. And by the way, we're making a pie with Swiftwin. Yes. And Adora's like, Swiftwin isn't even here. Oh, hi, Swiftwin. What are you doing here? Yeah. And Swiftwind, first of all, I think it's funny that like she remembers Swiftwind. 
but calls Adora Mara. Yeah, she has no trouble remembering who Swiftwind is. So is Swiftwind a, a mantle? I don't think so. I think Swiftwind think is so. just Swiftwind because Swiftwind is just awesome. So she yeah, just remembers Swiftwind. Yeah, creation was accidental. Yeah, yeah. Even though Mara had a dragon. We never see Mara with a dragon. That picture, we saw that picture in Plumeria, but that wasn't necessarily Mara. That was just that, another she That was just another she with a dragon. So, but yes, but perhaps the reason that Raz remembers Swifty so easily is because he comes and visits her all the time. Yeah, because you have to check up on old ladies in the woods, which makes sense. Yeah, come on, Adora, have a heart. Also, like, Comrade Swifty, like, being a member of the community, knowing, yeah. like, that's how community you do care. it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Good praxis, Swifty. Good praxis. Yes. So. Yes. So they have a little exchange. Adora is annoyed at him. But then she says maybe he can help her get Raz to tell him about Mara's weapon. Swifty's like, is- like, oh, you mean the sword? Is it the sword? Did I solve it? <laughs> and it's like, no, but, you know, thanks for trying, buddy. And we get yeah, a little she ex- just looks she gives him a lot of very deadpan looks like and we get some exposition that no, we're talking about, you know, the big weapon, the one that Mara talked about in her holographic message. Right. And Bo is Bo is uh, with the ship trying to clean it up, which we're all like, ooh, yes, tech mastering away. Very cool. Yes. Uh, so, you know, Bo is tech mastering away on a spaceship. Yes. But it's still too glitchy to make out. Still too glitchy to make out. So we have, you know, Adora's trying to look for more information by, I guess, coming here to make a pie. Yes. And meanwhile, Raz is in the background, squishing all her ridiculously fluffy pie dough into that horrid soldier helmet. Love it. And so now I have a fun fact about Raz. I would love to hear that. Okay. So this also has to do with the original 1980s Shira. Um, so Raz now, she throws, she starts throwing more stuff into Adora's arms, including some cute little purple dolls in witchy hats. And yes. they kind of look like Raz. So those little dolls are meant to represent the twiggets from the original 1980s Shira. Oh. And according to IMDb, while Madame Raz's origins are left mysterious in the original series, the Masters of the Universe Classics toy line revealed her to be a Twiggit as well. The original show is basically like 80% toy commercial. So, what are the Twiggits? You may ask. The Twiggits, and this is from the He-Man wiki, the Twiggits are a race that inhabit Etheria in the Shira Princess of Power series. This small species of plant-like humanoids inhabit the Whispering Woods and are magically linked to it. With such a connection, if the woods are dying, then the Twiggets themselves become ill. So this really tracks with, like, everything that I have always thought about Raz. Like, she embodies the magic of Etheria. She is the magic of Etheria. As long as Etheria is alive, Raz will be alive. Right. Twiggets have numerous villages scattered throughout the Whispering Woods and are typically armed with crossbows as their weapon of choice. A number of the people have allied themselves with the Great Rebellion against the evil horde. And now, just to wrap this up, I have to tell you all their names because they're hilarious. Let's hear them. So aside from Madame Raz, they all have names that kind of go together. There's Spritina, Sprag, Queen Sparkle, Sprint, King Sprite, Sprocker, and Spunky. Those are the Twiggets. 
Love it. I had a feeling they all had some sort of like alliterative name thing going on. Yeah. So that is one, you know, you can choose to dismiss that if you want to, since it's basically just a toy commercial. Um, But it makes sense to think that that could be, you know, what Madame Raz is. It kind of does gel with what I think of as her magical origin. Sure. And also she does kind of have that like twig sticking out of her. She always has a twig sticking out of her hair. Maybe it's growing out of her head. Maybe it's not just a twig stuck in her hair. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a that's a thing. So that's a thing. Thank you. Thank you for giving me some context on those twiggets, which apparently go into pie baking. Well, you know, it's just she's she's has to wrestle through all of her giant mounds of undifferentiated junk to get to her pie materials. So she just whatever she's rooting through, she throws it into Adora's arms and she threw those little twiggit dolls into Adora's arms. Sure. Makes sense. As we have in the past seen other characters from the 1980s show as stuffed animals on this show. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I love this. Yeah. So anyway, back to the scene. Adora's like, dude, what the fuck are you looking for? Raz is like, sugar for the pie, obviously. But she knows where she can find some more. So off they go for their next adventure. Yep. And Adora's like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. She's like, I'm going to roll with this. Because I know it connects to something that's legit because Raz works in mysterious ways. She and I'm does. I'm just going to roll with this. Raz says we're making a pie. We'll follow Raz. We'll, yes. we'll, we will know. make pie and have faith that it will lead to something more. Absolutely. Which indeed it does. It does. Into the woods. Into the, Into the woods. woods we go. So Swifty has doubts about this quest. But Adora says that Raz always shows up just when they need her the most. That there is a method to her Michigas. Yep. And they just have to figure it out. Yep. And you know what? That's exactly what you got to do. And, I, you know, I'm having a hard time feeling like 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 Swifty doesn't get this, considering this is very much the same kind of like Dow of Raz loop de loop kind of yeah, vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's I agree. I agree with you. Um, Swifty is usually the one who's most in touch with instinctual stuff. Yeah. It sounds silly if you try to explain it. Right. So the and this is very much a like, you know, the. Dow of Raz making a pie and yeah you know I agree. understand for you know in order to understand the universe you first must make a pie right like yes yes it's like they needed another character to be there and mm-hmm. they decided that it would be Swifty and so they have to have this conversation out loud so that Adora can explain all the wisdom that she's learned but it you're right it doesn't totally make sense with his character right I mean other than like yeah it yeah, does make no, sense I, that he'd go visit an old lady. Yeah, of course, of course. But he's but, usually the one to just let things be. Right. So, I don't know. I thought that was not the worst thing on yeah. the planet, but... It yeah, no, no, I agree with you. Ru- it rung a little... It's a little out of character. A little off-key, yeah. Yep. So they end up falling behind and losing her. And as Adora is calling out for Raz, and Raz has gone ahead, the scene glitches around Raz again. Which we know means that she is about to encounter Mara again. Yep. And sure enough, here's Mara. So Mara has her sword drawn at Raz. And she yells, who are you? Mm-hmm. Um, and we zoom out and we see that we are now at Mara's brand new looking ship, which is parked next to this brand new shiny looking first one's monument. 
Yeah. And Mara continues to question Raz, like, how did you find this place, etc., etc. And Raz delightedly says, Ah, oh, Mara dearie, there you are. Madam Raz wondered where you went. Like, she's not concerned about having a sword pointed in her face at all. No, because, because she this knows. this is her buddy. This is her friend. Yeah. And Mara is like, how did you know my name? And this part, like, this part destroys me. Yes, this when, is gutting. This is gutting when Raz says, oh, is this the first time? It's been so long since the first time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it also, uh, it's so much that she has like, like she, she's lived these. So that like not only gives this like emotionally gutting thing, but like this gutting line, but she also like, it kind of shows that she lives these moments over and over. Yeah, it, it brings you back to the fact that time for her is just a circle. Yeah. She does not experience linear time. No, not at all. And it's so, not like she she experiences disjointed time either. She experiences experiences over and over again. Yeah, yeah. She's been in this moment before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so this is where I paused um I have, you know, a big bullet here. Pause to discuss Raz's weird relationship with time. Hooray! Let's hear it. And um, I, I will... couldn't call it a Professor Smart Brain moment because I don't feel like there is any real expertise involved here. It's a lot of conjecture. Sure, let's do but that. But I did find some really interesting, weird information that I was not expecting. I love it. Um, so the Shira Wiki calls Raz's time slippage chronosthesia, which is a real thing. Um, but it's described on the Shira Wiki as the ability to mentally travel through time, most likely through the reconstruction of past memories or imagining scenarios that will occur in the future. So Ooh, I love I'm not that. sure if that definition really aligns with what we're seeing hmm. Raz experience because she literally recognizes Mara and knows her name before right. meeting her for the first time. So that's not the result of imagining a scenario no it's she's she experiences all it's like things she's literally experienced this moment before right yeah um but chronesthesia is a real world term coined by a real canadian experimental psychologist and cognitive neuroscientist Ooh. named andel tolving um he cool. actually just passed away two days ago at the age of 96 or um did he no, never mind. Or was he born two days ago? No. So um, Endel Tuving was an Estonian-born Canadian psychologist and cognitive neuroscientist, born in 1927, died September 11th, 2023. Um, and so the more well-known umbrella term for this work is mental time travel. Um, so this is, you know, a, a memory thing. They're not okay. literally saying that people can travel through time. Right. Um, and Tolving's work is actually very highly regarded. This is not fringe stuff. Um, he received many awards, including the Fellowship of the Royal Society of Canada and the Order of Canada, which is Canada's highest civilian honor. Um, his research on human memory was broadly concerned with dividing memory into two categories, semantic memory and episodic memory. And mm -hmm. so this is the most basic thing. Um, and this is most of his career is like, differentiating these two things so semantic memory is the memory of information and knowledge and episodic memory is the memory of experiences that you have lived 
So like semantic memory would be the memory of what is a cat. And episodic memory could be the memory of petting your cat specifically. I like that you, you know, use cat examples. That, well, that was actually me. from Wikipedia. And I was like, all right, Wikipedia, we like that you're talking about cats. Yeah. So, you know, like you can broadly understand that, like the memory of learned knowledge, you know, like mm-hmm. how to speak, you know, or like what is a table? You know, like right. if you sat down at a table and someone puts food on it, you understand what that's for. You're not just going to roll across the table and roll around in the food. Like, you know that this is a table and this is where we sit down and eat versus like, oh, I remember you know, we had Thanksgiving at this table last year and mom and dad and uncle Bub were there. And, you know, like we lit blue candles and we listened to Stevie Nicks. Like that's an episodic memory from your life. Right. And so delving deeper into his research on episodic memory is that like when you have an episodic memory, you're actually reliving it. So he did all kinds of research on episodic memory. Um, And it's, Interesting, very, very, very complicated. Um, And so chronosthesia or mental time travel is something that he didn't do all the work. It's sort of like he started it. And then these other two guys, Thomas Suddendorf and Michael Corbalis, took it further and they called it mental time travel. Um, But Tulving called it chronosthesia. And so the official definition of mental time travel has been studied by psychologists, cognitive neuroscientists, philosophers, and a variety of other academic disciplines. Major areas of interest include the nature of the relationship between memory and foresight, the evolution of the ability, including whether it is uniquely human or shared with other animals, its development in young children, its underlying brain mechanisms, as well as its potential links to consciousness, the self, and free will. Hmm. So it's complicated. That's a lot. I did find one article in the New York Times. It's kind of old, but not so old that it's no longer relevant. um, That explains it in a more accessible way that Mm -hmm. I will put in the show notes just for shits and giggles. Cool. It's called Deja Vu Again and Again. It's about this particular dude and his particular work. Citing cases of specific people and experiences they've had so it's like when you can talk about specific people it's like this happened to this lady right like okay i understand a little bit better right right but so this is all real world stuff it's not science fiction it's not doesn't apply to raz right but i think that maybe this is what they were drawing on a little bit this might be what inspired perhaps it's like deja vu but more so Mm mm-hmm a lot, lot more so. A lot more so. So much more so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I could see like, it. What is Raz's relationship with time? I think that a lot of people could have a variety of theories that could all be considered legitimate. I I feel like she is in many places at once. Mm-hmm. Like I don't feel like she literally disappears from Adora's side and reappears at Mara's side. I feel like she's experiencing all of these things at once because yeah. we have evidence at various times that she's saying something to Mara. And then when we pop back in next to Adora, Adora has also heard what she just said. Right. Exactly. Yes. So I feel like she's almost like the show Sensate, which is also a Netflix show. Yeah. Um, the way they do that world building is fairly confusing, but it seems to me that the people in that group who are aware of each other across the world and they're in this little group where they can all experience each other's lives simultaneously, when they talk to each other, 
they constantly flash back and forth between like, am I with you in Botswana or are you with me in Reykjavik? It's like, it's, it's both. It's all of the above. We are experiencing right. each other's realities all simultaneously. Right. So it's like, it's more than our five senses can comprehend. Raz has an additional sensory experience that is more than we can comprehend that allows her to experience this time, this, this fractured experience of time that we can't comprehend because we don't have that, that time sense that is all encompassing. Which is why she just like straight up was like, you'll figure this out. I believe in you. Peace. And then just jumped into the void. Yeah. And it was it in remember the portal. It was one of the two. Yeah, 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 exactly. Where she was just like, okay, I got this. It's fine. I kind of always permanently live in some sort of time void portal thing. So yeah, you're good. You got this time. Time is always collapsing in the land of Raz. Yes, that's what I think. I love that. Time is always collapsing in the land of Raz. Collapsing and unfolding. Collapsing and unfolding. Because that's the only way to have a stable chaos, is if it's both collapsing and unfolding. Absolutely. Raz embodies all things. Yeah. Anyway, so back, do you have anything else you want to say before we jump back into the scene? Um, Not about time. Time jumping. No. Cool. Cool. I love it. So let's hop back into the scene. Um, So Mara was confused because this person who she's never met knows her. Yep. Which, um, but then Raz yes. says, it's legitimate to be confused, but the last Absolutely. thing Raz says is, never mind, Raz is only here to borrow some sugar. And she just blows right past Mara onto the ship looking mm-hmm. for sugar. Yep. Yep. And it's like, she knows. She just, this is the thing that I love. She just like, Goes through and Mara's like, "Whoa, this is highly classified." And yes. I, oh, another thing that I love about about Raz is her being a total agent of chaos. Like she yes. goes in and everything is completely and beautifully ordered, and she's like, "This is a mess," and just like because Start it's not throwing stuff around. Well, it's because it's not ordered in the way that works for her. Yeah, like oh, so. This is yes. so. This is something that I encounter a lot as a person with ADHD. Um, one of the one of the symptoms that I work through in my life is uh, ordering things in particular. So if I look at something and somebody thinks it's ordered for them, like oh, this makes sense to their brain, it doesn't make sense to my brain. Mm. Um, like if I spicy. like, yeah. So my brain is a little spicy and weird that way. So I would go in and order something completely differently. And people would look at it and be like, this is chaotic. How do you know where everything is? Right. You're just making a mess. You're just making a mess where it's like, no, it's not. Everything is ordered here by the way that you would be picking it up if you were making this particular recipe. Right. Or it's like, yeah, that's a really good point. But that doesn't make any sense to me. This has to be ordered by like, you know, this is ordered by these are the spices. Why is the spice next to this chocolate chips next to the butter next to right? And it's like, no, that's not how my brain works. And I feel like this is a very, you know, it's a perspective idea, right? It's a great observation. So, you know, for Raz, this is not order because it doesn't make any sense. It's not Raz order. It's not Raz order. And Raz order is totally different. That's why when you go into her house and she's like being like, I have to find everything. This place is a mess because it's not in Raz order. That's right. And time is also not in Raz order. That's That's also, by the way, time dilation is also another um, 
another symptom of ADHD where time Ooh. is really wonky. So sometimes things you feel like something takes you 70 years. I'm exaggerating, obviously, but to make the point where it really only takes five minutes versus like if you ask me what exact time it is, I'll be like, I don't know. It's like 427 and it's 426. Like, cool. Just like it's a weird thing. So yeah, also, yeah, I uh, Nate Stevenson has also been very, um, very open about his own movement through the world as a person with ADHD and how his mm. own brain works with it. So I found that was really interesting. That's a fantastic set of observations. I love it. Thanks. That's also why I'm able to hyper-focus and give you Professor Smart Brain moments, folks. Well, I appreciate that very much. Yeah, yeah. Nothing anyway. Nothing particularly better about being neurotypical. It's just one modality of interfacing with the world. Totally. And and Raz's is totally different than Mara's. It's totally different yeah. than Adora's, but Raz moves through the world in a way that works for her. Yeah, and Mara certainly does not have a problem with how Raz moves through the world. Mara thinks it's great. She does. She lets Raz just board her ship and make a mess and do whatever she wants. She thinks it's charming and, you know, very sweet and cute. Um, and, and when she notices Raz using magic to to reach an item that is out of her reach, she's mm -hmm. super into it. Yeah, well, she's, I mean, one, this is, you know, Mara's like, Mara's here to study magic. Right. This is what they're here for. This is what they're here for. But also, like, I also kind of like that this is just the force. It's just Raz using the force. Just being like, I can't reach that. Whoop. Yeah. You know. And also, I really think it speaks to Mara's perception of the mission as opposed to Light Hope slash the first one overlord's perception of the mission. Like, Mara yes. just wants to observe yeah, the she Aetherians does. Using their magic in action and like take some notes. She doesn't want to control it or usurp it. No, and she also mentions later on that she finds beauty in it. Yes. She like has real genuine like love and appreciation for and it. And reverence. Yes, 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 yes. So then Raz grabs a little data crystal out of the mm -hmm. dashboard and they have a little low key fight over it, which summons someone new to the chat. Oh, uh, we have we have Light Hope. Yes. Raz does not like Light Hope. Right no, out the she gate. does. I mean they're they're like diametrically opposed. Yes, yes. Raz starts whacking her with a broom and shouts Razzle Dazzle, which I believe is her tagline from the original show. Right? It is her tagline from the original yes. show, whenever especially when she was broom smashing things. Yes, yes. Um and like on the surface, this is some sort of like magic versus technology, order versus chaos type yes. of thing. Sure. Exactly. But, you know. Not super serious. Like, it's not really like it's it's not that deep. Like, you know. Yeah, no, this is a very surface level version of that. Uh, Light Hope says that she will have to report Raz to Mara's superiors if she doesn't get rid of her. And, and Raz says, your ghost is mean. I know. I love that. Like, great that line. Also, like, that's how Raz is able to understand this, right? Right. Right, because this is Ra Raz's outlook and, and th in, in the world is through magic, right? Yes, yes. So, you know, and she's understanding Mara a hologram as a ghost. And this all very charming. Yeah, she's, she's great. Um, it's great. 
Yeah. And Mara asks Raz, like, you know, what are you looking for? What do you need here? And Raz again insists that she's just looking for sugar so they can make a pie. Stop asking silly questions, Adora! And it's like, and Mara's like, uh, okay, Adora, like, who is this yeah, Adora? So Mara's still confused, but she is very charmed by Raz, happily hands her over the sugar. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, Raz is like, grateful, grateful, you know, boopy, just... Yeah. Calls her dearie, kisses uh-huh. her all over her face. Yeah. Sweet little bubby. Uh-huh. Mara is into it. She's into it. So then we have a bomb dropped here from Light Hope. Right. Light Hope is not into it. She's really not into it. No, she's she's super not. Um, And she's like, you can't just let her take things and leave, which is fair. Yes, but also... But also, she could have been exposed to classified data about the heart of Etheria Project. <gasps> What's that? Yes, we need to detain and interrogate her. I like damn light hope, okay. Yeah, taking it up several notches right there. Several, like that is escalation. Yeah, so Mara thinks that this is extremely unlikely. Um, but she also gives us some more important exposition mm-hmm. um, because she she says, you really think she somehow found information about a project so classified, even I don't know all the details? Yep. So now we know that, you know, Mara doesn't really know what's going on here. And then we get even more exposition. She says, besides, we're here to study this planet's magic, aren't we? Yep. Who know more about Etheria's magic than the Ethereans? Uh-huh. Ooh, this is Good. some information. Yeah. Some different different approaches here to colonization. Uh-huh. Should we defer to the actual inhabitants of this planet or should we just steamroll everything? And of course, Light Hope, you know, is we are I mean, we know where Light Hope is standing on this. But Light Hope is like, you know, you have to report this. This is it's in my programming. Right. And, That's what Light Hope says. It's in so her programming. It's in her programming. And of course, Mara is like you know, doing the girlfriends like, can't she just let it slide for me? And those like the like she gives her the huge puppy dog eyes. Uh-huh. And I love Light Hope's response to this. this is unauthorized presence not detected. Any reports to the contrary. And then she smiles at Mara, which is cute. Mm-hmm. Are incorrect. And this is my first gayest moment because I can't count my own being gay in the beginning of the episode as a gayest moment that's fair which is gay robot girlfriend yes totally on board yeah so yes mara is psyched she tells she couldn't have asked for a better friend and as mara scampers off light hope watches her go looking stunned Uh and repeats the word as if she's like never heard it before right friend I know, and we're like, oh, and then, so one of the things that, like, always touches me is when robots, like, have feelings, specifically, like, when robots fall in love. I don't know, it's a thing. I always go, ooh, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have, I'm not sure how to parse it out, but I feel slightly differently about Light Hope as a hologram versus robots. I know. And I don't know why. I mean... I'm using this as the, like... No, I mean, like, what is the difference? No, 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 no. I mean, like, technically, like, AI is AI, right? 
Well, I I feel like she's more of like robot implies more of like being mechanical and she's really like a program that runs and controls a system. Yeah, I mean, she is an AI program. Yeah, so... But, I mean... I mean, ultimately, it should all be the same, but there's something in me that ascribes more intelligence and less innocence to Light Hope than I would to a robot somehow. I don't know why. Maybe it's the physicality of a robot? Maybe. Maybe it's her physicality. Maybe it's like the um, the actual physical embodiment of, of a sentient... And also a the way quasi- she speaks. Quasi-sentient thing moving she, through she space? She doesn't have a robotic voice. Yeah, I don't know. You know, like, she she has a very human-like voice in terms of her intonation. I don't know. I'll have to chew on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually bring up uh, HAL 9000 um later in the episode from 2001 a space odyssey uh which um kind of rides the line of what you're talking about so yeah i'm kind of embarrassed to admit this but i've never seen that movie well i'm gonna talk about it yeah all right well i look forward to that shall we mosey outside the ship with with mara and raz let's mose about so we mose out and raz keeps calling mara adora and Mara's like, why do you keep calling me Adora? And who is Adora? And that's a really good question. Yes. It's a reasonable question for Mara to ask. Yes, I believe so as well. And as Mara's voice trails away, we watch Raz walking towards the woods and the scene glitches around her again. And literally as Mara's voice is yelling Adora's name, here's Adora. Here's Adora. Um, and now we have Adora finding the ancient ruins of the scene we were just seeing a moment ago when it was brand new. Yep. The ship isn't there right now. We just have the ruins of that monument. The ship is back with Bo. The ship is back with Bo because we've already found the ship and yes. done all sorts of shit on the ship. And Yes, yes. So we... So Adora's we... like, whoa, Raz did lead us somewhere. Yep. And yeah, she notices the damage and notices that um, the damage was made with a sword. Her sword, in fact. Her sword. Well, she says Mara's sword. Yes, her sword, which was previously Mara's sword. Like, she she pulls it out and, like, fits it. Like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. But it's kind of funny. It's like, oh, no, no other sword could possibly have fit into this, you know, sword know. mark. But, you know, whatever. We, whatever, whatever. We have to let that go. And then she pulls aside a curtain of moss and sees that the head of this statue has been torn down. Mm-hmm. It's like resting on the ground next to the side of the statue. And she and Swifty both look kind of stunned as they take that in. Mm-hmm. And it seems very extreme. Yeah. And Swifty, Swifty says, wow, Mara did this. She really was crazy. And yep. I kind of want to bring up this a little bit um, in that there's a running theme throughout this episode about what and what, what is and what isn't crazy. Hmm. Um, because right now we're kind of in the Raz and Mara are both crazy because Raz does not make any sense and has, you know, Raz is not making sense and has no concept of linear time, right? She's referring to Adora's Mara, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. Um, and from what we've all learned about Mara so far, Mara is the one that went crazy and destroyed the ship 
uh, and the mission with no rhyme or reason. So what we... Right. She was just unhinged. She was just unhinged. And just kind of dropping this in there that, you know, crazy is often used by the patriarchy as a way to discredit specifically women. That's right. Who do not behave. That's right. That's the root of the word hysteria. That's the root of the word hysteria. It is the wandering uterus. Yes. So. That is absolutely right. So, yeah. So we're going to keep that one in mind. And as we're kind of learning about like. And queer people as well. Well, and Think queer about, people. Like, and you queer know, people as well. Up until, you know, like for a lot of the 20th century and, you know, for all before that, um, you know, if you were found out being queer um, and this is true for you know people in the upper classes with money if you're poor and queer you'd probably just end up dead or in jail but if you're fancy and queer and caught being queer then your family packs you off to the asylum right you're crazy yeah yeah you're crazy um and we are talking about uh we are also talking about societies you know Western societies. Western societies. Yes. And, you know, in particular, while, you know, Etheria is not exactly the patriarchy here, we are kind of dealing with... Well, we're talking about the Eternian society, the first ones. Eternian society, first ones, are kind of represented as, like, the colonial patriarch. Yes. Um, control, fight, sword. Yes. You know, baddies. You know, these people are crazy. These people... Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, this is not a Therian society at all. No, this is not a Therian society at all. And these are like, you know, linear time and all that stuff. Like, yeah, you know. Yeah. Linear the, time, colonizers, people yeah. who want to conquer your shit and turn it into weapons. Yeah, exactly. The people yeah. that would call these sorts of... And if you're going to of... cause any trouble, we're going to pack you off to the insane asylum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So these are... Yep. So, yeah, I just want to put that out there, too. That yeah, this is yeah. also another thing, another kind of arm of white supremacy and colonialism and patriarchy absolutely um and kind of all of the all of the horrible tentacles of that is you know delegitimizing um ways of thought ways of perception Mm -hmm. and practice as crazy and pathologizing it very well said thank you yeah so swifty and adora are just sort of like taking that in silently for a moment until Raz comes up beside them and is delighted to find a bunch of boxes of thousand year old sugar in a little crevice. Which totally is going to make a delicious pie. Also, like she knows it's sugar. Did she taste it? Does she read I mean, first one? Did assume, she intuit it is sugar? I have to assume that it says sugar on the boxes in first one's glyphs. And but that Raz in the thousand years since the Eternians first landed, has learned to read the Eternian glyphs. Okay, I mean, that's fair. Um, Also, just for my own peace of mind, I had to look this up. I was like, does sugar go bad, internet? And the internet told me that sugar technically never spoils. Multiple sources confirm this. Sugar doesn't spoil, but it will form hard lumps and clumps. Sure. may notice some changes in texture, which can make it undesirable to use. It's still safe to consume. But you okay. might not find it so appealing anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's like honey. Like honey doesn't spoil. Yeah, no, honey also doesn't spoil. Yeah. I would seriously pause before using thousand-year-old honey. I might use hundred-year-old, thousand-year-old sugar before I would use thousand-year-old honey because at least the sugar is like dry. 
Oh, no, I would totally use the honey over the sugar. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I guess it would depend how desperate we are in that situation. Yeah, I mean, like, I would definitely be like, ooh, look at this medieval honey. Yeah, I mean, I know that honey doesn't spoil. Yeah. Um, I know that deep in my soul, but, you know, I've never had to... I've never had to put that knowledge to the test. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, technically, they are not going to die of botulism from using this thousand-year-old honey. That's really good to know. Or sugar. They're using sugar. Right, right. But an even bigger miracle, in my opinion, is that this thousand-year-old data crystal has not been corrupted. Because think about, like, if you have, like, a memory stick or a hard drive or, God forbid, a motherfucking floppy disk. Yeah, I know. Sitting there for a thousand years. Well, I mean, we've seen all of this shit not corrupted before. No, no, we've never really thought about it. That's true. We haven't. We haven't really thought about it. Imagine any any format of savable data that we have today. Someone picks it up in a thousand years. Be like, oh, let me pop this in and see what's on it. Let me put. You can't even do that. Good luck with that. Yeah. (laughs) Can't even do that with a fucking eight track. Yeah. No. I mean, like, yeah, that's true. So that's the biggest miracle of all, really. Um, Yeah. Adora does find a little first one's crystal there, and she's pretty excited about it. Um, she catches up to Raz, who is already on to the berries, mm-hmm. and asks her about the crystal, and Raz says Mara left it for her. Yeah, she wants to talk to you. Yes. And Adora is pretty confused by this, because she pointed out that Mara has been gone for a thousand years. Uh-huh. And Raz is like, no, that does not sound right. Mara was just here. She's helping me make a pie today. Sure. And you know what? For Raz, yes. And Adora's like, no, I'm helping you make a pie today. Ah! <gasps> Por qué? Adora's pretty frustrated, which is reasonable. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But also, like... Adora doesn't quite understand yet, like, what is going on here. But now Adora's like, why is today the day we make a pie? Right. What makes today so special? Exactly. And Raz just says, because it is. And she struggles to remember, like, why is today so special? Today, today, today. And suddenly she yells, because I have to duck. Yep. Just as the scene glitches and she's back again in Mara's time, evading a rampaging beastie. Yep. Aww. And this boar, rampaging boar, also, it reminds me of the rampaging boar from Princess Mononoke. Nice. Um, uh, so now we have our Mara uh, transformation sequence and Mara's yes. transformation song, which is just a little different enough so you notice it, but not too different. So you know, still know it's a She-Ra transformation sequence right, and song, right. which is great. <laughs> I love yeah. it. And the same with the visual aspects. And the same with the visual Just aspects. a little bit different. A little bit different. It's like if you were a sushi lover, they are both two delicious sushi rolls, but they are not the same sushi roll. But they are not the same sushi roll. Yeah. Yes. And she comes in to save the day with her big gay sword. Mm-hmm. She starts trying to fight this beast because she wants to protect Raz. Yep. Which... Who doesn't? She's the best. Sure, sure. She's, it's understandable. And this is how she knows how to do that. You know, right, this she is all she knows right now. Hits things with her big gay sword. This is what mm-hmm. she was trained to do. Right. But Raz is like, no, Mara, no, this is not how you, you know, she doesn't right. say all that. She just says, Mara, no. 
Right. Um, because that's not how you how you solve this problem. Right. She, Raz jumps in between them and blocks them from hurting each other with her tiny little wrinkled body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they both stop. And they both stop. And she, yeah. The boar stops. And then Raz does some avatar level shit. Mm-hmm. Right. Where she does some Aang level shit. Where, you know, it's like, uh, I think it's the episode where Aang heals the the forest spirit. That ends yes. up being the panda. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It turns from a big angry spirit back into, into the panda. a big cute panda spirit. Yeah, just by being like, it's yeah. okay, right? Yeah, it, like, it, comes, it comes more easily to Raz than it did to Aang. Yeah. Because so, she is, you know, of the forest. She is of the forest, yeah. Um, you know, she puts her hand on the boar's face and she says it's all right no one's going to hurt you i love that yeah and then she takes mara's hand and puts mara's hand on the beastie's snout so that mm-hmm. they can recognize each other as you know peaceful spirits and not not recognize that they are not a threat to each other yeah and they have a little bit of a little magic with each other together mm-hmm. and it's really wonderful yes it is and we have this like kind of first lesson from Raz tomorrow, which is you do not need to assume a fight always needs to happen. You don't need to take the planet. You can be part of the planet's magic. Yes. Um, which is yes. like, ooh, that's a big one. Yeah, yeah. And Mara feels really bad as soon as she looks around and realizes that she tore up this forest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was trying to protect the planet, but she ended up destroying the planet while trying to protect it, basically. Right. Um, yeah. And she apologizes to Raz, and Raz just waves her away. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. And shows Mara how to heal mm-hmm. with her magic. Yep. And yeah. Mara is amazed. She says, how am I doing this without the sword? Yeah, because magic... is drilling down to... Probably the most single most important lesson of this episode, mm-hmm. which is Raz. Raz laughs and says, Shira is not a sword. Shira is you. Mm-hmm. As the magic is just flowing out of Mara and, you know, healing the woods all around her. And this was my next gayest moment. Oh, it is gay. It's very gay. Oh, touching the forest. Just, yeah, like wanting to be one with the forest, healing the forest mm-hmm. with the power of your big gay magic. That is really gay. I didn't yeah. even think about it, but that's really gay. Yeah. That's my kind of gay magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was a tree hugger when I was a kid. Before before I knew anything about... Being a tree hugger? Like, being a tree hugger, I had never heard those words. I didn't know what it meant to be a hippie. Like, I... Talked to the trees and hugged them, and they were my friends. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I love that. Yeah. So they have a very important conversation here. Yes. Raz says, Etheria chose you. And Mara says that my people chose me, and that she needs the sword to control She-Ra's magic. And mm-hmm. so... That's what her superiors told her. Right, because what we, you know, this is the ether- this is the attorney in understanding. You control the world versus being part of the world. Right, and and understanding her job based on like I learn from my superiors and I do what they tell me. 
versus that's how you understand the world versus into versus intuition versus right. literally listening to and feeling the world right right and raz just laughs and she says Shira was here long before your people arrived. Raz says, you cannot control magic. Magic simply is. Yeah, that's so true. So true, Bestie. Yeah. I mean, amen to that. Yeah, we're here with that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Mara really takes that in. And she's, you know, like there's a little magic orb floating between her fingers. Yeah. She says, I love Etheria. I love how old and weird and beautiful it is. I'm sworn to protect it as Shira, just as I'm sworn to serve my people. But I know we're doing something to the planet, the heart of Etheria project. I don't know all the details, but I know it's big. They say we're the heroes, but I don't know if it's right. So she's really struggling between her sense of duty to her people Versus her sense of duty to this planet. Right, right. And then Raz's last line is, Shira protects Etheria. Your people made the sword, but they did not make Shira. Yep. And then we go to Adora. Mm-hmm. Who's like, what people? Because Adora has right. no connection to those people. Right, and so we know, as I was saying before, that like, Whatever Raz's experience of time is, she right. was with Adora just now. Adora heard at least the last couple sentences that she right. said. Right, What she right. just said to Mara, she also said to Adora. Shira protects Etheria. Your people made the sword, but they did not make Shira. She said that to both Mara and Adora. Yep. Just yep. now. So now we have Adora saying, what people are you talking about? The first ones. So this is like kind of Adora's conundrum, right? It's like, she... She has basically no connection to the first ones. She has no connections to the first ones. She only has connections to Etheria. Yeah, Adora doesn't have the same connection to the first ones that Mara had. She was, you know, as far as, like, she didn't even know that she was one of them. Right, yeah. Until somewhat recently. Absolutely, yes. And, but she still has this sort of duty to the Shiva mantle. She's trying to figure out what that means. Right, right. And she's starting to realize that this whole thing they've been doing with the going through the motions of making the pie, the purpose of that is that it's helping Raz remember what happened with Mara. Right. That that's the point of doing all of this. Right. Right. And Raz continues talking, sort of talking to herself, talking to Mara, talking to herself in front of Adora about how she couldn't help and how sorry she is. Mm-hmm. And Adora says, then help me. Adora, not Mara. And that is okay. so hard. It is ah. hard. It's hard, but we're we're doing so good. We're, we're getting good. through we're it. Do- we're doing so good. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> we're doing but so, so good. But so Adora saying that, um, like somehow at this point, like Adora saying, help me, Adora, not Mara, snaps Raz into awareness. Yes. And she says, yes, Mara wanted me to warn Adora. Yes. Um, and then like is able to do the thing. There's a great evil at the heart of Etheria and it is waking up again. Yes. You need to talk to Mara. And then it's like, we have to put the pie in. Yes. It's getting late. We have to hurry. 
we have to put the pie in. <laughs> and it's like, follow the lady about the pie, guys. Let's yeah, do and it. Then, yeah, she runs off and Adora and Swifty just look at each other again. And they're like, oh, my God. I guess we're still doing this. You're still doing it. You're making they the pie. They rush back to Raz's hut. Mm-hmm. And they all run into the hut. And Raz is like, you know. What, gets that pie what, going in the oven. What do you know? About the heart of Etheria. What's the evil? And she's like, I doesn't ring a bell. Yep. <laughs> like, okay, dude. <laughs> yeah, now she's just like back on the pie. Yep, back on the pie. And um, but Adora begs her to remember. Mm-hmm. And Raz starts, you know, trying. Like she closes her eyes and starts rubbing her temples. And then the timer, she just put on a timer for the pie and it does have a picture of the sword on one side. Yes. Um, so the timer begins ticking louder and louder as Raz is like rubbing her temples and like saying to herself, like, remember, remember, I try to remember, but it all gets muddled up. Adora, Mara, it always ends the same, the present, the future. And then there's a time glitch just as Mara's voice is calling for Raz and Raz opens her eyes and whispers the past. Like it's very dramatic moment. It's hard to capture it by describing it because it's all happening at once. Also, there's like the, um, the, like the egg timer kind of thing is like the, like the synchronizing your watch while you're time traveling type of deal, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you know what time you're at, you know? When it's, but like you know, the fact that there's like the urgency of the of the of the timer ticking, yes. while Raz is like, you know, her expression while she's trying to remember, and the tick 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 tick, and then you know, it's it's all very dramatic. Yep, and then we go to oh, this part is like it's rough. Oh, so now we're back in the past. Yep, um, Mara is now standing in the doorway of Raz's hut, looking yeah. very banged up, mm-hmm. holding the sword. She is messed up. I mean, like, the magic is destroying, like, she, the magic is destroying her. Yeah, like, we don't know yet what's happened. We just know that she looks like she's been through something. I mean, she's she's glowing, you know? Like, I didn't crazy shit's glowing. happening. Crazy shit starts no, happening. She's not glowing. There's something going on outside. Yeah. Um, but Raz does not notice this. <laughs> she just cheerfully says, Mana, dearie, you're just in time. The pie is almost, but then she turns, look back at the pie that was just there a minute ago. But of course, that was not really just a minute ago. Yep. And then Mara, a thousand years in the future. Yeah. She turns back back at the stove, and it's cold, and there is no pie. Yeah. And this is when Mara's like, this is when. Yeah. So this is when we, when we look back at Mara, we start to see the multicolored lights flashing. Yeah. In the doorway behind her. Uh huh. Yeah. The heart of Etheria starting to engage. Yep. And and Mara says that she can't stay long. Yep. And and Mara's like, I figured out what's going on and what they're going to do. And I have to, you know, I have to get to my ship. There's no time. They're going mm-hmm. to like fucked up shit is happening. Yeah. It's starting. I, it's starting. Yes. I, it's essentially like I have to stop this. Yeah. She basically you know. the last thing she says is it's starting. And she's like grunting in pain. Yep, and, and Raz-, Raz grabs her hand and says, "But the pie," which is heartbreaking. And Mara says, "Tomorrow, Raz will make a pie tomorrow." And she's crying. There's no pie. 
There's no tomorrow. There's no pie tomorrow. That's why she's crying. I know. It's fucked up. I, I, I want pie. I know. I mean, she can't bear to break her old lady BFF's heart. I know. And Raz, so then, you know, when Mara says this sweet little lie, Raz smiles and like nuzzles her hand. And then I wrote, we all crawl inside a hole and die. Yep. Just a little bit of us. Yeah. A little bit. Just a little bit. And then Mara kind of like half runs, half stumbles out the door. And then on the outside, we now see that the whole world is engulfed in these waves of multicolored lights that is the heart of Etheria. Yep. And Mara's sword starts to glow then. And she says she can't stop it, but she can keep them from hurting anyone else. And she runs away. Yep. And Raz yells after her. She yells, Mara, and she looks very scared. This is heartbreaking. Yeah, and we see, you know, across the landscape, we start to see these very scary ribbons of colored light sort of like sucking up from the planet as if all the Mm -hmm. magic is being sucked out of the planet. It's sort of similar to the effect at the season three finale. Yeah, and then we also start seeing the like, like she looks up and screams and then the light starts to like pour out of her eyes and mouth and the runes yeah, start yeah, like yeah they're like glowing runes all over her body well they're not runes they're like the first one glyphs right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um like they're like light tattoos and it's like uh-huh. all the magic is being sucked out of her raz appears on the edge of the clearing and sees all this happen yeah, and then Mara like jams her sword into the into the earth. That's where right. she leaves it for Adora, right? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then she's able to stand up and keep going. And I noted, I don't know if this is important or not. I noted that the stone turned dark purple. Yes. Maybe from like sucking up all the magic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed that as well. Um and then so we're seeing the end of this terrifying scene play out as a reflection in Raz's glasses. Oh, yeah. And then there's, it's so well done visually. It switches in an instant back to the present as a reflection in the glasses. So we see this horrifying scene of, you know, dark magic, pragmatically, mm-hmm. engulfing the planet and destroying her little friend in her glasses. And then the timer dings. At the moment that we switch back to the present. And so we go again from the cool colors of, you know, destruction. And then ding, we have this warm yellow light with the timer with the sword on it is now the reflection in her glasses. Yeah. It's a very dramatic, very hard shift. And and it dings right with the sword, too. Like, yes. the yes. sword is in full view. So, yes. like, I thought yes. that was a really cool little take, too. Yes, yeah, that was what I was trying to. Yeah, 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 it's really cool. I was cool. trying to convey it. It's hard to convey so much yeah. visual information that happens so quickly. Mm-hmm. It's just beautifully, beautifully put together. And then as that ding happens, Raz whispers, it's time. Anytime somebody in any show says, it's time, you know shit's about to get real. Yeah, yeah. And so then after all of this terror and chaos... We have this moment of, you know, peace and silence as we see this pie sitting 
perfectly in the middle of this merrily glowing coal oven. Gorgeous pie. Gorgeous pie. And, you know, a moment ago we had all these scary discordant sounds and now we have this peaceful silence. Swifty and Adora are asleep in the corner and he has his wing over her. I know. It's so cute. That's exactly how my cat and I sleep together. Oh, She always wants to crawl under the covers and she curls up against my side and she, I put my arm over her. That's and really if, cute. If I move my arm, she leaves. Like, she wants me to keep my arm over her for protection. Oh, that's so cute. It's very, very cozy. It's really cute. Yeah. Um, and so Raz quietly packs up the pie and Adora wakes up just in time to see her leave and they both run after her. Yep. And I like how dramatic this is. And Adora's like, come on, Swifty. The pie's done. <laughs> yeah. Like, fucking like, that's actually, I'm going to put that as a gayest moment here for like, you know, like super, super dramatic lesbian ex- explanations of uh, baked goods being finished. I will absolutely allow it. The pie's done. Yes. So. Badassery clearly to ensue. It's, yeah, it's like, so, there's no reason why that needs to be such a badass sentence, but it is. Clearly gay. it is. Yes, Very absolutely. Gay. I'm with it. I'm said with it. said lesbianly. Yes, absolutely. So now we're back in the past. And so there's a lot of quick back and forth thing, past, present, past, present from this point forward. Um, Raz runs through the scary magic sucking landscape after Mara. Yep. And then we have another time glitch and we're back in the present. And we see Raz walking through the woods with the pie. And Adora and Swifty are running after her. And they catch up just in time to see her going up the walkway to Mara's ship. Mm-hmm. Wherein, inside, she will encounter Bo. Fixing I, a thing. Right. And, and is freak like... Freak him out, appropriately. You're not Mara. And it's like, you know, you have like... You know Swiftwind is Swiftwind. You know Bo's not Mara. But you confuse Adora and Mara. It's fine. They're all She-Ra's. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. fine, you know. Um, Bo screams and hits his head. Because, you know... He was just minding his business with his head up in a bunch of electrical stuff. And all of a sudden, there's this old lady... With her face like two inches from his face. Right. Reasonable. And Adora and Swifty finally catch up. And Raz urgently says, Adora, help me find Mara. You know where she is. Hmm. And then there's some slight confusion amongst the group. And Raz again tells Adora emphatically that she needs to talk to Mara and that she has everything she needs. And Adora's like, do I? Oh, and she remembers that she has the first one's disc and she puts it in that missing slot on the console. Yeah, we have like, like a perfect little game. of Yeah. Like, you know, like a very satisfying early childhood game of like fit the thing in the thing where the thing fits. Right. And we already had we had like the first part of something there. But now we have the second part and the thing fits in where the thing fits. Mm-hmm. And she uses the admin password, which is Shira. Good guess. Mm-hmm. Who would have thunk? And and we get a holographic Mara. And we have it get a holographic Mara, and then we have a scene shift. So we get to see the final mo- Mara's final moments on the ship. We see Mara's final moments on the ship, and we used to have Light Hope being very confused off screen, saying, "What are you doing, Mara?" Well, actually, I don't think it's right to say that Light Hope sounds confused. I think that she sounds 
scary, soulless monotone. Okay. Like, she knows what Mara's doing. She's well, not confused. She says, okay. what, what are you doing, Mara? Well, like, so, yes, she's not confused in the sense of, like, I have confusion, but it... Because she's a robot or an AI, well, but there yeah, is mean, the is, sense her, of her like, voice is very different now from how it has been in the past. But it is the sense of it is the sense of you are not doing what you are supposed to be doing. Yes, I I, I made a I, I specifically noted here that I thought Light Hope's voice sounded different and a lot more scary, which is going to lead to my Professor Smartbrain Nugget moment here. On this is Light Hope's Hal Nine Thousand moment. Okay. Well, this is one of my uh, Professor Smart Brain moments here, which is about HAL 9000. So, Light Hope's robotic, What Are You Doing, Mara?, is a nod to HAL 9000, a murderous computer. What? Okay, so Light Hope's entire character is actually influenced by HAL 9000. Um, and he's kind of like the prototype for the pop culture's malicious sentient computer. So, who is HAL 9000? So, he first appeared in Stanley Kubrick's 1968 film. Uh, and then uh, in parallel, Arthur C. Clarke's 1968 novel, 2001 A Space Odyssey, as the Discovery Ones, which is the ship, the spaceship there, um, sentient computer and full environmental support system. So essentially was like the computer that controlled the ship. Um, so throughout the series, throughout a series of events, Hal kills most of the crew members on the Discovery One before Dave who is the remaining crew member, is able to shut down Hal, all while Hal is having a calm conversation with him about what he did in this what very... What are you doing, Dave? Exactly. And mm. that very particular kind of monotone. Um, he says, just what do you think you're doing, Dave, when Dave starts to shut him down. So it's a very uh, similar type of thing. Aha! There we go. And that's where just what do you think you're doing, Dave, comes from, is Hal 9000. There you go. 2001 Space Odyssey. That makes sense. So, Professor Smart Brain Nugget about HAL 9000 as Light Hope and Light Hope as that. Totally. Thank you. And also, this entire thing is very reminiscent of that shutting down the AI that yes, is kind definitely. of evil type of situation. So Totally. So. Totally. So, here we are. We've got our... Are slightly too definitely evil AI. Definitely. Definitely and slightly too definitely. Mara ignoring her and mm -hmm. continuing to hit all the buttons that she <laughs> wishes to hit. She's really just kind of like button mashing here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't know. We know. don't know, but she's definitely beep boop beep boop beeping. Yes, yes, yep. yes. And so Light Hope's voice is glitchy at this point. Yeah. You have the the destroyed my interplanetary systems. Yeah, you are yeah, be, yeah. Be, behaving erratically. Where is the sword, Mara? And Mara's like, there is no sword. There's not going to be a She-Ra. The sword is God. Right. You and know, Light just... Hope is like, well, it's your destiny. You sorry. You don't get a say. And, you know, you know, as we've learned many times about from many, many, many shows about, you know. Chosen ones. Yes. And chosen ones. She-Ra's destiny was part of your machine, as Mara says, but yes. I won't ever let you use her again. Yes. And as they're having this heated exchange, we get like little brief interludes where we see the ship 
flying past more scary looking multicolored magical energy spikes in the sky and things are looking very dire. That's scary. Yeah. This does not look great. This is for a very Ethereum. scary denouement. Yeah. Um, uh, Light Hope says the heart of Etheria has been activated. Your mission will be fulfilled. There will be peace throughout the galaxy. You will be a hero. Which is so fucked up. So fucked Propaganda up. Propaganda all the way. And Mara says, how will destroying worlds bring peace? Yes. And Mara's crying as she says this. Mm-hmm. And Light Hope never answers that question. No, because it's not Light Hope's. She doesn't have to. No, it's not Light Hope's question to answer. Yeah. Light Hope only exists to. To fulfill the mission. To fulfill the heart of Ethereo. Will achieve right. its function, as will you. Yes. They both have a function. Yeah. Asking why is ir- irrelevant. Yep. And Mara's like, you're not Light Hope. And the way that Light Hope answers here is very interesting. And says, yeah. I am the same basic operating system. So yeah. it's like the Light and- Hope that like learned to like be Mara's girlfriend was like, overturned when yes. Mara started the episodic memories that that light hope had are gone are but gone. the semantic memories of concepts perhaps remain mm. yes so yeah. so Mara says you're not her and you don't get to tell me what my destiny is yep and she slams her hand down on one final button that makes light hope ah. disappear yep and activates the portal to Despondos. Yep. And Mara's just crying this whole time. Yeah. Because she think is important. Yeah. You know, like she is emotionally destroyed, but she's not letting that stop her from doing what needs to be done. Nope. And, you know, as we've learned, like in previous like messages from Mara, she didn't want to be the hero. No. Um, and now we kind of jump to the present and now we so, finally actually there's one more thing that happens before we jump back to the present sure. we see we see etheria get sucked into the portal yes which is very dramatic yes like you know all of like we see the whole planet you know being encircled by these ribbons of multicolored magic and it all curls inward in an instant in this giant flash of light and empty mm-hmm. space is left behind right okay sorry and then in the next shot we see mara alone in the ship with the mm-hmm. view screen looking out on empty starless space, having succeeded on sucking them into Despondos. Yeah. And then it switches and then it switches back to the present where our buddies have just seen have just seen this. Yep. And now we have kind of the first conversation between Mara and Adora. Yeah. Um we hear Mara's voice. There's a beat of silence, which I think is important. Yes. We all are just our buddies and we, the audience, are all just taking this in for a moment in just totally stunned silence. Yes. And then. And then we hear Mara say, Adora? And then Adora's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Adora cannot believe it. She turns to see where this voice is coming from. And back by the captain's chair is the hologram of Mara. Yep. And Adora walks over and she reaches out to touch her hand where the last minute Mara's hand pulls away. Ugh. I mean, you know, 
knowing that they could not have touched hands anyway because one of them is a hologram. Sure, but it's also more of the like more of the Shira reaching out to touch hands and only, yes. you know, only having hands never touch. That's pretty gay also. That's also pretty gay. It's extremely yeah. gay. That's pretty gay. I'll allow it as a gayest moment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um so And Mara says, Adora, I know you're there. Raz said you'd be there. And then, like, she's obviously in a lot of pain and, like, she sits down mm-hmm. on the seat in order to keep going. Mm-hmm. And then we have another scene change back to Mara's time so we can see, like, the real Mara talking. Mm-hmm. And Mara says, I don't have much time. I barely made it out. If you're seeing this, it means you're the new Shira. It means I failed. I don't know what they told you, but it wasn't all bad at first. We were the first ones to settle Etheria, to really study this planet's magic. How could it go so wrong? You can't trust Light Hope. She's been reprogrammed to set off the weapon at any cost. The weapon. Mm. And then it shifts back to the present. And of course, like the most important line, at least to me, out of all of that, is we were the first ones to settle Etheria. Like, right. Yeah, the first ones other than like all the people who all live the people there, that live there, who were indigenous to the planet. Right. Well, they, so, they were there to you know, settle like, it, right? Like that's you know, the, like that's... for better or for worse, whatever her intentions, she's still a colonizer. She's still a colonizer. She's still a settler. Like, um, and you know, she did say it wasn't all bad at first. She doesn't say, "I'm innocent. I'm a good guy." She said it wasn't all bad at right. first. Yeah, which is like a soft, sort of a soft qualifier. Sure. I feel like she's not trying to exonerate herself completely. Um, and also the important thing is that you can't trust Light Hope. She's, you know, for plot wise. Right, right. She's been reprogrammed to set right. off the weapon at any cost. Right. Um, but so she's just started to really tell Adora about the weapon. And then the scene shifts back to Adora in the present hearing this. And she says, the weapon, what is it? Uh, Mara says, I didn't know what we were doing until it was too late. I knew they were rerouting Etheria's magic for their own purposes, siphoning it, collecting it in the planet's core. And then Adora is putting it together, the heart of Etheria. Mm-hmm. And Mara, the heart of Etheria project, it was supposed to be an energy source capable of so much good, but that's not what they made. My people turned our planet, all of Etheria, into a weapon. And Shira is the key. Mm-hmm. And Adora is just so stunned. Yep. And this is my next Professor Smart Brain moment that I just have titled Nukes, 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 Nukes. This is about, and this is actually very specifically about the discovery and proliferation of nuclear energy and colonialism. All right. I have some guesses about this, but let's hear it. So um, this actually comes from uh, like kind of my thought about this kind of thinking about this Um, actually came from a really wonderful art exhibit that I saw at the Institute of American Indian Arts Museum of Contemporary Native Arts last year called Exposure Native Arts and Political Ecology. Um, And it was uh, an an event, an uh, an exhibit that they did. with uh, indigenous artists from all over the world, not just the United States, but indigenous artists in um, Australia, in the South Pacific Islands, um, indigenous artists from uh, Greenland, um, all over the world on how uh, 
specifically like nuclear proliferation, uranium mining, nuclear waste, burials, testing, all of this stuff and how it plays into colonialism. So how does this play into colonialism? I'm really just really, really high level. I have a lot of really wonderful primary source links here that I'm going to put in our show notes so you can really dig into this because it is wonderful. Awesome. So uranium mining, I'm going to start with mining. I'm actually going to do mining because that is actually kind of more specific to what we're talking about here. Okay. Um, because they are literally mining the planet for energy, for weapons and energy resources. Right. So uranium mining and the discovery of and pl- proliferation of nuclear energy has disproportionately affected international indigenous communities. Um, so mining for uranium for the Manhattan Project, the U.S. government's, which if you don't know, um, this U.S. government's initiative to design and build the first atomic bomb was done on Diné, uh, who are the, the Navajo uh, land in the American Southwest. The testing was also done um, at Pueblo, Diné, Apache lands um, in New Mexico and Arizona, all of that in the American Southwest. So from 1944 to 1986, 30 million tons of uranium were extracted from Navajo slash Diné Nation for weapons and fuel. And 96% of defense-related uranium mines were located in Navajo. That's so fucked up! So fucked up! Yep. Just like how the first ones came and took, you know, all of the energy from planets that they would land on to build weapons for other wars. Uh, and guess what mining does? It produces waste, like a lot of waste, and waste gets everywhere. And nuclear like toxic wa- waste, like toxic waste, and nuclear waste doesn't really go away, and it causes all sorts of nasty business, not for the people that are exposed, but also gets into the land and the groundwater and the crops and the livestock, and it poisons people, and it gives can't you know and. People get cancer and generations and generations and generations get sick from it. And the mines don't just go away when people stop using them. In fact, there are over 523 abandoned uranium mines uh, in the Navajo Nation alone right now that have not been cleaned up or properly closed. And it's not just it's not just on Navajo Diné land. There are 15,000 abandoned uranium mines in 15 Western states in the USA. But it's not just confined to the United States. No, of course not. Of course not. Um, Uranium mining. So Australia is currently the world's third largest producer of uranium um, behind Kazakhstan and Canada, who also has their own issues with uranium mining on First Nation land. Uh, The British actually started uranium mining in the 1950s in the Australian outback. And guess what? Nearly all of it happened on indigenous land, um, as happened in the... And by the way, this was acknowledged in a 2017 report by the Australian government where they were like, yeah, all of our mining was done on indigenous land. Um, As what happened in the United States, serious environmental and health damages have happened because of lax environmental standards caused by, you know, people not giving a shit because racism and colonialism. And there were a number of controversies in the 1970s, 80s, and 90s around mining in and around indigenous-owned land that was leased to the Australian government, who then turned it into a national park. 
um, regarding mining rights. Australia pretty much gave, they were like, oh, you can have this land back. Can we have it as a national park? (sighs) What's mine there? Oops. Toxic spills. Yeah. It's fucked up. Um, There are deeper dives into the Australian settler indigenous conversations and relations that I am, you know, that I am equipped for. I don't really know that much about Australian um, indigenous and settler conversations. I'm an American. I know a little bit more about that. It's more in my history, but I did include a primary source document about mining and indigenous concerns from the Australian Parliament in our show notes. But needless to say, colonialism is alive and well and in action still happening regarding uranium mines. Um, As just one example, of course, we know that colonialism is alive and well in many, many ways. And this is just one example. And this is just one example. And this is like a kind of a like a really salient. And it's a really salient one. And I didn't even begin to touch on the destruction that nuclear testing, nuclear waste disposal and actually dropping nuclear fucking bombs has done to global indigenous communities, particularly in South Pacific Islands, Japan and across the United States. Um, I have a bunch of really awesome articles. Like I said, I'm going to put them in the show notes. Um, there's also uh, a campaign called cleanupthemines.org. You can check that out. They're trying to get Congress to clean up the damn mines. And I mean, they are everywhere. <laughs> there are mines in the Black Hills, which is sacred land for Cheyenne, Lakota, a couple of other like yeah. really... Like, I mean, the Black yeah. Hills are like sacred lands. Yes. And there were just mines there, just uranium mines that oh. the government had for a while and then just abandoned. And then they're like, well, fuck it. So, yeah. What does that have to do with what we were just talking about? Well, I mean, <laughs> this is sort of a symbolic representation of, of that. Of that. Yes. So, like, why, you know, this, like, it feels very, um, it feels one-to-one. Yes. Almost. Like, Agreed. This does not feel like, like there's this, you know, because when, when, you know, the atom was split, you know, it felt magical. And this conversation of like, I was doing this to protect my people. Like, this was very much the conversation that, you know, was, this was the byline for people. And, the, you know, we were fighting the Nazis. So this was kind yeah. of the byline for people working on the Manhattan Project. They're like, well, I'm doing this to, to protect my people. You know, this wasn't. Well, m- yes, but also there, where, where I thought this was going to be going was, you know, when nuclear power was first discovered, people thought they were going to be using it as a clean energy source, that it was Absolutely. going to be used in a positive way. Absolutely. And that's what Mara thought yep. this project was going to be also. She was told initially that it was going to be like, oh, this is a good clean energy source. Anything yeah. that can be used in that way can also be used for destruction. Absolutely. And that is also something that I was going to bring up is that people are still having this conversation about like, and that is like one of the like, let's bring nuclear power back because it's a carbon zero emissions like type of power. And I'm like, yes, but you do know that there is still major ecological impact. Yeah. And you are also like, this impact is impacting indigenous communities. Yeah. <laughs> like, like this is still very, very, very bad. Like, there's a yeah. reason we don't do this anymore. Um, and if you read uh, the Good Energy Collective, 
Good Energy Collective wrote in a very cool paper on the legacy of U.S. mining on um, U.S. tribal lands that I'm going to that's in here as well. So, cool. yeah, these are some great resources. Yeah, this is really, you know, the the um, the exhibit that I saw uh, at the um, Museum of Contemporary Native Arts was incredible. Like it like. It was one of the most impactful and beautiful like art exhibits I've ever seen. Um, and it really kind of really opened my eyes to a lot of stuff that I wasn't aware of. I wasn't aware of the um, struggle of the indigenous people in Australia. I wasn't aware that there was uranium mining in Australia. Because I'm an American. Yeah, I wasn't aware of any of this. Yeah. Um, There's so many terrible things to so be many aware terrible of. Things. Yeah. And just like the 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 you know how deeply like you know colonialism uh, you know anti-colonialism and ecology like tie in together and yeah so anyway so that is my professor smart brain moment and that Ooh. is our kind of one to one yeah thank you um that i pulled from this so it was incredibly illuminating yeah so i mean that's kind of why when we're talking about like they don't really care about, you know, how much energy that they're taking the same way that we don't really care about, like, you know, what we take from these uranium mines and what we're destroying in here because we can destroy our, you know, we can destroy our enemies, right? Like, right. Yeah, so. yeah. And they really don't care because they can just fly away from this planet completely. Exactly. Oof. So. Yeah. Nasty just stuff. Just like our billionaires today are... Figuring out ways that they can fly away from the planet so they can give less than zero fucks. Yeah, it's fucking about na- this planet. Nasty shit. Nasty shit. Well, so, yeah. Maybe it would be a little bit less terrifying if we went back into the episode now. As horrifying as this moment in the episode is, it's yeah, a little bit less terrifying than what we're discussing right now. Hooray. Hooray. I, I bring the fun stuff. Oh, yeah. So Mara is telling this is like, this is the real, like, this is the. The guts, the guts of the exposition. This is, you know, the most exposition we're ever going to get from Mara. She now tells Adora about, you know, how she opened the portal to Despondos to pull Etheria in and why she did that. You know, she hit us, hide us from the rest of the universe to keep everyone safe. This is the one place they'll never find us. You know, she saw what they were going to do and all the death, you know, death, death, death. She said, I couldn't stop them before, but I can now. And then she says, Adora, this isn't over. The heart of Etheria is still siphoning magic. It's unstable. It will tear Etheria apart if it goes off again. So it's up to you now. I couldn't stop it. In the end, I wasn't strong enough. But you, Adora, you will be more powerful than they ever planned. I love that. Yeah, like if I don't know if anyone could watch this and not cry yeah i was like you know mara's crying adora's crying we are all crying we're all crying and at this point mara's ship is pulled like she's trying to fly away but her ship is pulled back toward the planet it's like it failed to reach an escape velocity yeah and as it's sucked back towards the planet it catches fire so it's it's like she knows she knows this is it yeah she's she's about to die she is about to die um, so she's crying, but she's smiling at Adora. 
And the last thing she says is, Adora, I believe in you. You can save the world we love. And that's it. Then the hologram ends. And we have another long beat of silence as our friends take this in. There's really good use of like moments of silence when heavy shit needs to be taken in. Yes, absolutely. And we have the, uh, and then Adora, you know, just says it. The weapon, the weapon is Etheria. And Mara sacrificed herself to save everyone. Mm-hmm. And before we get to like the like heartbreaking last like last last bit, mm-hmm. I just need to say something like kind of lighthearted because I actually okay. have it. So sure. the way that they came, the there's a really fun story that Nate Stevenson likes to tell, where he was like trying to figure out like what the big kind of what's the big drive, what's the big scary, what's the big, you know, how are we gonna make what's the big stake for this, mm-hmm. you know, and. He says he was sitting there trying to figure out what the, you know, the big scary weapon thing is going to be for season four. And he says that um, Molly, his wife, was just kind of sitting there reading a book and without even looking up, just says, the planet is a weapon. (laughs) Like the weapon is the planet. (laughs) And he goes, oh, and that's like how that idea came. Damn. (laughs) Without even looking up, up, Molly was just like, yep. The weapon is well, the planet. They are a great power couple. So, yeah. That is fantastic. Yeah, it's a great Thank it's you a for great sharing story. that. Yeah. So, it's a little anecdote on why the weapon is the planet. That's impressive. Fucking Molly just pulls it out, goes Damn. back to reading. Molly Ostertag for the win. Molly's the best. Yeah. Amen. And now we have Raz wrapping it all up in her quintessentially Raz way. She walks up with tears in her eyes, puts the pie on the captain's chair. She says, she was brave, my Mara. And then as she puts the pie on the chair, she says, for you, Mara Diri. And this episode ends by fading to white instead of fading to black. Yep. And then this, this part kills me. The pie. The pie. The pie. The pie is an offering. It's such a good episode. It's, a it's just like episode. so tight. The writing is so good. It's yeah. Such a good episode. I didn't even dig into all of it because I could not. No, I, just, I mean, <laughs> we. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, any Nate Stevenson episode, you could write a term paper on. Yeah, I mean, and this one is just fantastic. So. Jenny. Yes, Mef. Oy. What did we learn today? Well, we've learned that we both like pie. We do both really like pie. We have also learned that you should always listen to your elders, even when they seem really batty, because there is wisdom in nonlinear logics that you might not understand, and you don't have to understand to gain wisdom. Oh, I love that. So, you know, stick with your batty elders and stick with your friends who have nonlinear types of wisdom to impart. Yeah, I got a lot of that. Have faith. Aw, Jenny. Have faith in non-Western and nonlinear forms of wisdom. I love this. 
And fuck colonization. Yeah, and fuck colonization. And fuck war and nuclear weapons. Uh, yeah, I mean... Obviously. Yeah, there's no... No one is ever going to try... Ever convince me that the that nukes are ever good there's like yeah no nuclear yeah, power preaching the choir on that one yeah like and mm. nobody who tells you what your destiny is ever has the final authority <laughs> yeah that's definitely you are the final authority of your own destiny yeah and also period um 2001 a space odyssey is kind of a cool movie so i would recommend yeah i'm sure it is yeah it's it's like visually really interesting Maybe we should watch it sometime. Yeah, I would definitely recommend watching it if you, I mean, like, it's a Kubrick movie from the 60s, so it's pretty trippy. Yeah, the only thing that I know from that is, you know, that dramatic um, overture with the horns. Like, oh, yeah. That's pretty epic. Like, that's from 2001, right? That is correct. It is. And isn't there also a scene of, like, fornicating monkeys to symbolize like the beginning of civilization there's lots of monkeys lots of and, monkeys. and there's like floating fetuses it's all it's a trippy movie yeah so it's something good to watch while we're having our party kale yes in fact there that is go. like that is a hippie tradition okay great so we'll have some comfort after all of this dystopian m- meanderings yeah well, folks, if you liked what you heard and you want to bake a pie with us, you can like and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast fix. You can follow us on X Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at HeyAdoraCast, or you can email us your pie crust secrets at HeyAdoraCast at gmail.com. Yum, so, yum, yum, yum. yum. Um, we have a Patreon. You may have sure heard. Sure do. Um, We're going to be having our next live watch and live chat just a few days after this episode drops on Sunday, October 8th. So if you want to hop in on that, there's still time as of the dropping of this episode. Yes. So if you want to drop in on that and do fun things like live watches, live chats, video hangouts, bonus fun goodness, all the things, chat with each other in the privacy and comfort of your own discord. It's really wonderful. Share pie crust recipes. Mm -hmm. You can, and just all sorts of great stuff. You can find the link to our Patreon as well as the link to this week's Spotify playlist hero in our show notes. Or at heyadora.gay. You will always be able to find all of our things at heyadora.gay. Until the end of gay time and gay space, we will be here for you at heyadora.gay. If there is an end of time, because if we live in Maybe it'll just be the beginning again. It's just going to be the beginning. The end is the beginning is the end. Heyadora.gay, 24-7, 365, all the time. Heyadora.gay. And remember, queer joy is radical. And queer love saves the universe. Ow! Hero! Pie! Yum yum pie.